My counsel to you is to first get started. The best time to work on building an inclusive brand was when you started creating your brand. The next best time to start is today. Get in there, roll up your sleeves, and prepare to get your hands dirty. And while you're working on building your inclusive brand, don't be in a hurry. Sure, having a sense of urgency is nice, but inclusive brands aren't built overnight. They are built methodically over time. So as you work to build your inclusive brand, don't be a bull in a china shop. You will for sure uproot things that shouldn't be uprooted if you do. Instead, embark on this journey knowing that you will make steady progress as you work toward reaching your goals each day versus feeling like everything needs to be overhauled and perfect within a week or a month's time. Welcome to Inclusion and Marketing, a show that's all about helping you develop the skills and insights you need to win the attention, adoration, and loyalty of more consumers, especially those with differences that are often ignored by brands. I'm your host, Sonia Thompson, a marketer and someone with a lot of differences. Let's get to it. Okay, I've got another podcast recommendation for you. It's Latinx in Power, hosted by Thaisa Fernandez. It's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. This podcast features interviews with top-level executives, entrepreneurs, and innovators from Latin America, aiming to demystify the tech industry by providing listeners with insider perspectives and insight from Latin American leaders who have succeeded in their fields. I like listening to this podcast because I like hearing from a broad diversity of voices and hearing from and learning from their experiences. One episode I'm super excited to dive into is the latest one, Lead Generation Journey with Glenville Dixon Jr. Listen to Latinx Empower wherever you get your podcasts. Almost a year and a half ago, Jonathan and I moved into our first home together. We had a house built in a small community here in the Tampa area, close by where I grew up. Now, this is Jonathan's first time being a homeowner, but not mine. My first place was a townhouse outside of Philadelphia. I bought it during my corporate days and really loved the ease of not having to do any yard work because that was included in our association fees. And I basically had very little yard because it was a townhouse. So our house now is a single family home and we have a very active homeowners association that cares a lot about the state of how the houses in the community look, especially as it relates to lawn upkeep. While we have a contracted service of someone to mow our lawn, because if you know anything about Florida, it's that the grass grows super quick. And if you don't stay on top of it, especially during the rainy season, you'll quickly find yourself living in a jungle. One thing our lawn service does not cover is maintenance of the flower beds. So one of my neighbors, um, she does a very good job of her weed maintenance. My home office is in the front of the house and during warm months, I can see her out there several days a week with her scissors and her plastic bags, getting the weeds up. At first, I hated her, (laughs) just kidding. But I felt like she was making us look bad because her lawn was always looking so good and she was just always out there tending to it. But I remember talking to her one day and she told me that her job can be kind of stressful. So doing her weed maintenance was kind of like a stress relief for her. 
Well, I can safely say that um, weed maintenance is in no way a stress reliever for me. So I'm not outside several times a week tending to the flower beds and the trees in our front yard. Anyway, because our homeowners association is pretty active, as I mentioned, they will send you a notice letting you know to get your act together with your lawn or there will be consequences. Soon after we moved in, I knew I couldn't delay getting out to tend to our flower beds any longer. So I made my way out there. Now, to be clear, the first time I went, I'd waited longer than I should have, and there were a lot of weeds. Like, there was a lot. And it was a lot of hard work. But I got out there and started pulling the weeds, and slowly, 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 I got them cleared. Along the course of the way, I realized just how much lawn maintenance or tending to our garden is a parallel for building an inclusive brand. So here are five key lessons to glean from this experience that will help you develop the right mindset that you need about building an inclusive brand because mindset is absolutely essential. The first lesson to help you develop the right mindset is that you will never be done. There is no finish line you're working to get to when it comes to building an inclusive brand. Now sure, in the beginning, there may be some heavy lifting required to get you to a good position, but once that initial push is complete, your job isn't done. Maintenance will always be required, just like your garden or your flower bed will always need ongoing maintenance to keep it looking good and free of harmful weeds and other dangers. That's why it's important to ensure that inclusion is a part of everyone's job that works with you. That way, it isn't something to be done once in a while by one or two people, It becomes integrated into your daily work and way of operating. When you take this approach, you don't look at inclusion as like a checkbox, but rather an ongoing part of your routine. Okay, the second lesson I wanted you to take away about the mindset needed to build an inclusive brand is that there will be casualties if you wait too long to tend to your garden, so to speak, or if you go too fast while you're doing it. So remember when I said that soon after we moved in, I waited too long to get going managing the weeds? Well, by that time, the weeds had grown pretty high. The grass was growing throughout the flower beds and the shrubs that were there. They were mixed in together. And as I started pulling things up, I ended up pulling up flowers and plants that were part of the landscaping. They were casualties. In my quest to weed out the bad, some of the good was negatively impacted because everything was so mixed in together. No bueno. So as you go through trying to take on a big effort of getting your own internal house in order from an inclusion standpoint, if you've got a lot of ground to cover and try to tackle it within a short or a finite period of time, you may end up causing damage in uprooting areas that should be staying. There's a lot of nuance to diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging, especially as you think about building an inclusive culture and, of course, infusing it seamlessly into your marketing. And if inclusion is new to you, your initial reaction may be to get rid of everything that doesn't scream inclusion or it looks like it might pose a challenge in some way rather than looking at everything with a careful and thoughtful eye to evaluate if or how it fits in with the way you operate moving forward. So my counsel to you is to first get started. The best time to work on building an inclusive brand was when you started creating your brand. 
The next best time to start is today. Get in there, roll up your sleeves, and prepare to get your hands dirty. And while you're working on building your inclusive brand, don't be in a hurry. Sure, having a sense of urgency is nice, but inclusive brands aren't built overnight. They are built methodically over time. So as you work to build your inclusive brand, don't be a bull in a china shop. You will for sure uproot things that shouldn't be uprooted if you do. Instead, embark on this journey knowing that you will make steady progress as you work toward reaching your goals each day versus feeling like everything needs to be overhauled and perfect within a week or a month's time. Finding a service solution that helps you better connect with customers and keep them happy can feel impossible. Like trying to remember the name of that guy you just met at a networking event. Was it Ron or could it be Don or John or Sean? Yeah, that kind of impossible. HubSpot's all new service hub can help. Well, with the service solution part, at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform for the first time ever. With an AI-powered help desk and an AI chatbot that handles frontline tickets fast. Plus, it comes with a customer success workspace that helps reps anticipate customer needs. In a full 360 view of every customer, so your go-to-market team can keep a pulse on accounts before trying to upsell or cross-sell. Also, you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. And you know what that means. Better service and happier customers at every stage of the journey. Visit HubSpot.com service to do more for your customers today. All right. A third lesson to consider as you work on building an inclusive brand is that you can outsource it, but it'll cost you. So after a few sessions of me outside pulling weeds and Jonathan outside pulling weeds, we realized how hard it was and we just prefer to be doing other things. And it was super time consuming. So I looked into outsourcing our weed and flower bed maintenance. And I had a lot of trouble getting quotes and what I did get was really expensive. Now I get it. It's a tedious job that requires a lot of care, especially if you don't want the solution to be someone to just come and spray a bunch of chemicals to address the issue. So in your quest to build an inclusive brand, you may think about outsourcing some of your strategy, your core tasks, and even ongoing maintenance. And while outsourcing isn't the bad guy here, know that offloading responsibility of inclusion to people outside your organization does nothing to help you build an inclusive culture or to enable your team to live inclusive values and infuse it into their daily work. I've seen it happen often enough where there is no or limited expertise and capabilities in the realm of inclusive marketing on the internal teams. Now, in that case, all responsibility is then shifted to external partners like consultants or marketing agency. And while that could work for a while and it could help your marketing campaigns be more inclusive, it limits your ability to actually be an inclusive brand. There's a difference. Brands that are inclusive from the inside out are what consumers, particularly those from underrepresented and underserved communities, that's what they're looking for. Not the brands that are just adapting their marketing to get them to buy more of their stuff. So my advice to you on this front, if you need help with building an inclusive brand, is to first work with a coach, someone to guide you through the steps you need 
to take in the changes and adjustments you need to make both internally and externally to build an authentically inclusive brand. And then as you develop and embed the needed capabilities, workflows, and values within your team, you can bring along any external partners that will work with you to execute your vision of your inclusive brand. And the last lesson that I want to leave you with as it relates to creating the mindset you need to build an inclusive brand is to create an environment that makes it difficult for anything hindering inclusion to thrive. So after a little over a year of Jonathan and I being on the struggle bus with regards to maintaining our flower bed, we finally decided that we needed to do something different. So we put down a plastic covering all around the plants and the shrubs and cut out holes for the irrigation system. And then we put down rubber mulch. Not only does our flower bed now look fantastic, we even got compliments from that neighbor who's outside tending her weeds a couple of times a week, but our maintenance burden went down significantly. To be clear, our garden still requires maintenance, and we're still figuring things out um, as it relates to gardening and and weeding and tending to our our garden, but that maintenance isn't quite as painful or labor-intensive because we create an environment that was difficult for the things we didn't want in our flower bed, in this case, the weeds, to thrive. And so now our flowers and our shrubs are still green and growing, but the weeds are so much less of an issue. So as you work on building an inclusive brand, it will be beneficial for you to work to cultivate an environment that makes it difficult for anything that is not in keeping with your values, especially those related to inclusion, to thrive. Create fertile ground for the things that you want to keep and make it difficult for behaviors or anything else that you don't want in your culture. Make it difficult for them to take root or to survive. So that may mean putting focus on stamping out microaggressions, having zero tolerance policy for behaviors that violate your values, or even proactively talking publicly about where you stand on specific issues. Building an inclusive brand, like tending and maintaining a garden, is a lot of work. It takes time, energy, diligence, and patience. But when you stick with it, the end result is something beautiful that will have been worth all the effort. But having the right mindset through it all is essential to get you through and to keep you going until you get to a place where you're happy with your results. Embracing these lessons along the way will help. That's it for today's episode. If you like this show, I'd love it if you'd leave a rating and review for it in your podcast player of choice. Also, I'd love to connect with you online. I'm most active on Instagram and LinkedIn. So if you hang out in any of those places, please do connect with me there. You can find me at Sonia E. Thompson. Until next time, remember, everyone deserves to have a place where they belong. Let's ensure we use our individual and collective power to ensure that more people feel like they do. Thanks for listening.